Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Cycle Podcast. I'm your host, Melissa, and on today's episode, we have a patient story. Today, I'm talking to Jen, who's from the UK, but she's living in Kuwait. And with that being said, when she was in Kuwait, it happened to be 5 o'clock and everyone was getting off work and getting on Zoom. So we do have a little bit of internet connectivity issues. I apologize for that. We do talk about fertility in this episode in case that is a trigger warning. I just wanted to let you know. And I want to thank Jen for being such a warrior and coming on the podcast. She really has had quite a journey with this disease. And she's here to share that with you in hopes to help you suffer less on your journey. If you want to join in the conversation after the podcast, I recently just created a Facebook group where we can chat further about each episode. The link is in the show notes. And as always, if this podcast brings you value, please subscribe anywhere where you like to listen to podcasts. And if you're listening on Apple and you could rate us in Apple Podcasts, I would really appreciate it. Not only does it help us get guests, but it also helps us rank higher and more people will see the podcast. I really appreciate your support. I hope you're well. Thank you. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of The Cycle Podcast. I'm really grateful today to have Jen with me. She is actually in Kuwait right now, and she's originally from the UK, but I am going to let her tell us all about herself because I'm just getting to know her as well. Jen, why don't you start off by just telling us, yeah, just tell us a little bit about yourself. Thank you for coming on. And thanks, Melissa, to hosting me on, on your podcast. Um, I think it's just so helpful for all of us endo sufferers uh, to hear everybody's story and to know that we're, we're not alone. Um, I think my story starts in much the same way as everybody else's. I probably started experiencing symptoms from the time my periods first began, so when I was about 14. Um, very, very painful periods to the point of missing school. You know the story. Um, I remember calling my mum from many sleepovers at friends' houses if it coincided with my periods that I just would be in agony and I would have to leave. Uh, basically, I just couldn't function. So on numerous occasions, my mother took me to the GP in England and, you know, I was told oh, it's just your period, take paracetamol, by which point, I mean, paracetamol just wouldn't touch the pain. What, what um, is I was that? also told to take hub. Is that a painkiller? Yes, so okay. just take, take Panadol, um, take ibuprofen. Uh, it's just your period. It's, it's meant to be normal. It's meant to be painful. That's what yeah. I was told. Right. Um, that went on. And then I went on the pill uh, when I was 16. And then over the next two or three years, I would say that the pain just got worse. Um, and obviously the endometriosis was progressing. Um, and when I went back to the GP and told them that if anything, my symptoms were getting worse and not better, I was told that that was a medical impossibility because the pill would fix painful periods. Oh my goodness. Um, so <laughs> how long ago, then, uh, how old are you now? So I'm, I'm 37 now. Okay. So, so I, yeah, I've been, I've had symptoms for 23 years now. Okay. Um, 
So then I, when I went to university um, from about the age of 19, I then started experiencing bowel issues. Um, I went, I had that looked into, I was told you're not eating sufficiently, you're not eating often enough. Um, then I, so that went on for two or three years and I was, I had all kinds of investigations in hospital and ultimately they said, you've got IBS. Um, of course. Of course. <laughs> really quick at this point, were you starting to feel sick every day? Because this is a question I always like to ask. So people kind of know in high school, like it's okay. It's around your period, but there's some other weird stuff. But then like, as you get to university, it starts to be something doesn't feel right daily. Is that what kind of happened with you as well? Definitely. And I think for me, the overriding, apart from the pain, was probably the fatigue of just yeah. not being able to function. Like I could see that everybody else was functioning. And I remember my mother on so many occasions just saying, it's not normal to be this tired at your age. It's just not normal. And again, I'd go back to the doctor. I had so many blood tests. Uh, and nothing was ever found and then nothing was investigated any further. With your painful period, did your mother say like, oh, I had this too, or, or this isn't normal, or is it just, you know, this is how it, it goes for, for women that have painful periods? No, she was very good actually. She, she could tell from the very beginning that it wasn't normal. She hadn't had, looking back now, I wonder whether she did actually have endometriosis because she had problems conceiving for many, many years. Um, and then she said that she had bowel issues around her period. So now little bits I'm piecing together that potentially she had it, but she didn't have very painful periods, but she was incredibly sympathetic. And right. you know, I just don't think she could have done any more as a mother. She just kept taking me back to the doctors and right. they just weren't interested. Sure, unfortunately. For sure, yeah, okay. Okay, so now you're diagnosed with IBS. What happens yes. after that? Then I, so then I qualified as a lawyer in London. Um, and then, so obviously I was working quite long hours. I was working for a city law firm. Um, and then just as I qualified um, as a lawyer, one day in the office, I just, all of a sudden had pelvis in my pelvis. Um, so I was rushed to hospital. It was so bad that I, I collapsed I couldn't speak I couldn't um, so I was taken to a uh, hospital and they thought it was that that was ruled out and then they said that I had they couldn't find anything else so they said that I had a very severe kidney infection so I was treated for a kidney infection for about three months but the pain was still there. I was on very, very strong painkillers. Um, and then it was, I went back to the GP and I said, something isn't right. This isn't a kidney infection. I've been on so many different antibiotics. And that was the, finally the GP referred me to a gynecologist. I hadn't even seen a gynecologist. Um, and so that was when I was 27. So that was 13 years symptoms. Um, so then I went in, second, um, they, they did a few investigations. Um, you cut out there for a minute, Jen, when, when you got to the hospital, what did they rule out? So they ruled out appendicitis. Got it. Got it. Did they look for like ovarian cysts or anything like that? Do you know? They did. 
did do ultrasounds, couldn't see anything. Okay. Um, so that's when they said it was a kidney infection. And I went to two different hospitals in, in London and up north, and I was treated for a kidney infection for three months. Mm. And long story short, it wasn't a kidney infection. Um, <laughs> so oh. when I finally got to see a gynecologist, I had to wait months to see a gynecologist. I fairly swiftly, I was booked in for laparoscopy. Um, so, and you, so that did you meet with this gynecologist? You told this gynecologist everything you're going for, and they said, "Okay, we're going to do this laparoscopy right now." Did anyone say endometriosis? Did any was there anything, or were they just like, "We're going to do this surgery on you because we think you might have endo"? No, there was absolutely no mention of endometriosis. They they just said that I had had every test that they they could think of and that this was the next stage for them to explore further um so i i mean i hadn't even heard of endometriosis um by this point right. so i went in for the laparoscopy um and then when i woke up they said you have stage four endometriosis it's very extensive um that's what's causing your pain so I was luckily the specialist endometriosis, so I did get to see him quite quickly. Um, so that was in the September, and I was booked in for surgery in the November. Okay, so they just did like an exploratory um, laparoscopy first, diagnosed you with stage four, and then you got referred to seeing a specialist. Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Um, so then I went in for surgery in the November when I was 27, uh, and I had a six hour surgery, uh, the way, I mean, he just described it as everything was stuck together. Yeah. Everything was stuck to my pelvis, um, as if all of my entire Um, so that, and then after that, he said that he had to do it in two stages um, because it was too extensive for him to divide all of the adhesions. So he, um, I think at this stage, I didn't have excision. I think it was ablation. Yeah. So he did that surgery. Then he, then I was put into a menopause state for six months. And then I had another surgery after that. So um, how so did they put you on medication for the menopause? Exactly. Okay. Exactly. Which made me feel very depressed. Um, you just, you didn't really feel many emotions and it was really tough actually. And it was divided. So you would have an injection once, at the beginning and then after three months you would have another injection um and by the second one i was really debating whether to have the second injection right uh, but my surgeon persuaded me he said there's a really good chance if you have it that you won't it won't grow back there's an 80 percent success rate that it won't grow back uh, so i did it um but unfortunately that wasn't the end of my story 
Yeah. <laughs> Do you remember what the, what the drug was called? It might be different in, in the UK than it would be in the States. Like here, it probably would have been Lupron. Yes, something similar. It's the GNRH agonist. Yeah. So I yeah. think it's very similar yeah, yeah. to Lupron. And you did not um, feel well on that at all, I assume. Like you said, you were depressed, but you probably felt terrible too in being, what, 27, 28 at this point, like going through menopause? Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't pretty. It wasn't. Yeah. <laughs> um, hey, and I, guess, I, do, I also... Did you research endometriosis at this point? Like after you had that six hour surgery, were you, did you have an understanding of what it really meant to have endo? No. no. I mean, I started to do research, but I mean, we think when you look back, it was 10 years ago from now. Yeah. And yeah. I think, you know, now there is so much out there, which is amazing for people yeah. who are being diagnosed. But back then there was really very little and yes. it was still thought of as being an older woman's disease. Um, a lot of doctors thought that people develop this disease later on in life. Um, so there was really very little information and I certainly didn't think that once you had surgery and you'd had it removed that it could grow back. I, yeah. I definitely, and I, I also didn't appreciate that it could cause so much damage to organs. Um, I think, and that's something I wish that I had known um, earlier. Do you feel like when you had that first surgery that any of that was explained to you? I mean, he probably... I hate to say it, the doctor probably didn't even have that knowledge at that point. I mean, definitely not. He's still, I, I mean, I saw my surgeon for about seven or eight years. I think at the time he did, he did his very best with the knowledge that of he course. had. Yes. Um, I wasn't advised that I was having surgery and that the doctors were going near my ovaries that that was also having an effect on my ovarian reserve. That's something that I've only found out much later. Yeah. Um, I did ask at the time whether I should be considering freezing my eggs, but the answer was no, no, don't worry about it. It will be fine. Um, I was also told by the, by the same surgeon that I should think about getting pregnant and think about doing it quickly. Mm. Uh, at which point I'd only just met my now husband. Uh, it just wasn't the right time. I certainly wasn't going to feel pushed into into getting pregnant and and that isn't an, an answer either to it but right. he genuinely thought it was at the time right right just a lot of misinformation and I understand exactly where you're coming from because a lot of my journey was over 10 years ago too and the information is so much different now which is great and there's still not enough information now so no. you know, 10 years ago we really couldn't find out a lot of information so no. Okay, so you go through this this menopause, you do the second shot. What happens after that? And then I get about a year of not having too much pain. I, I was lucky. I'd still get painful periods, but nothing like what I was experiencing before where I would pass out from the pain, I would be physically sick. So so a lot a lot improved after those two surgeries. Um, but then I started to get symptoms back, um, tugging pain. Um, so I went back to my surgeon, still getting symptoms. Uh, and the response was, that's not possible because I cured you. Oh. <laughs> um, so 
it went on <laughs> it went on for another six months at which point I insisted that I wanted him to at least have a look um, and he was saying oh it could be neuropathic pain there may not be anything there so we agreed that he would go and have a look anyway when I come out of surgery he said you were right the endometriosis was back um, and we had to I think that surgery was shorter it was two or three hours um, but the relief after that surgery of actually hearing that I wasn't mad and that there was something there I was actually relieved to hear in one way that that it was the endometriosis yeah I understand I mean I understand that it's like you almost want you don't want to think it's in your head because a lot of times we do think it's in our head and we double guess and question ourselves and you know I talked about this with another podcast um, yesterday that I did, but there's, I think the jury is still out if it actually comes back or if it's left behind and it, it regenerates. Mm -hmm. I don't think anybody knows that answer yet. Cause I want to know that answer too, mm -hmm. because like you, I've had six surgeries and every single time I've been full of endometriosis when it's been removed by an excision doctor. So I don't understand that. That doesn't make sense to me, you know? So that's, so that's a big question out there still that I think needs to be answered. So mm -hmm. you have another recovery. Now, how many, do you, now you've had three surgeries in what, two years? Three. Yes. Yes, exactly. Wow. Um, so then I, and I, I am struggling. I've got, you know, I'm working full time. I'm working long hours. Um, I think a big symptom that just carried on that never went away was fatigue, but I just managed, I, I just learned to live with that, I think. Yeah. Um, and then I get another two, two and a half years um, where the symptoms are starting to build, starting to build. And then in March, 2016, just before I was about to get married, um, I decided to have a fourth surgery just because I wanted him to have a look and make sure that the endometriosis wasn't active. Uh, and I was also by that point considering my fertility. So I wanted him to check, check everything. Right. Um, so in March, again, I had it. So that's probably two and a half years later. Uh, and again, there was extensive endometriosis. Um, and also by this stage, I've been going for scans and they're now saying, we also think you have adenomyosis as well. Um, so that, that may be causing your painful periods. And obviously, as we know, there's nothing really that they can do to treat that apart from hysterectomy, which right. and so on is only a cure for adenomyosis and not endometriosis. Correct. So in these two years before this surgery, are your periods still painful every month? Still yeah. painful, but not nowhere near as bad as, as bad. they were so, right and so it did improve right. slightly and with ablation um, anyone who's listening or may not know a lot about ablation it's where they burn off the top like superficial layer of the tissue versus excision where the tissue is actually removed so if you think of a weed and you just take the head off of the weed the weed will continue to come back but if you actually remove the roots it shouldn't come back so for anyone who's listening, you know, Jen and I both in the beginning had ablation because people, the doctors didn't know better at that point, or we didn't have the right doctors that could 
remove it properly, I guess. The gold mm -hmm. standard, I don't know if it's proper and I'm not a doctor or medical professional, but just so people who are listening know the difference and why it comes back with a vengeance is if you only take the top layer of a weed off, it's going to come back. Mm -hmm. So I just want to give a little tip if anyone's listening and, and it's confused between the two different things. And I don't think until very recently, I didn't even know the difference between ablation and excision. I, I can only assume that I did have ablation given how many surgeries I've had to have. Yeah. Um, so in March 2016, my fourth surgery, I, I still have active endometriosis. Um, so I have, I have that removed. Um, he, he does say that he sees some endometriosis around the bowel, um, but because he's operating without a bowel specialist, he couldn't go that close to the bowel. He removed what he could, um, but he didn't, he didn't really raise it as a concern or say to look out for any symptoms. Um, so I have my surgery, I recover from that, and then I get married and I move to Dubai with my husband. Um, and then we start thinking about um, trying to get pregnant. And I was told by my surgeon to only give it six months. Over this whole period, I've still, I've been on the contraceptive pill okay. um, as, as a way of managing my endometriosis symptoms. So I come off the pill and I give it six months and then we try for IVF. And I do six IVF cycles over a two-year period. And unfortunately, they were all unsuccessful, even though my first three cycles, I, I got good eggs. They all got to blastocyst, which is where they grow them for five days, which is a very good indicator that the eggs are good, the embryos are good, um, but still nothing. So I then look into immunity testing because it's understood now that people with endometriosis may have issues with your immune system. They don't know whether we have immune system problems to begin with and that contributes to the endometriosis or whether it's the other way around. Um, but we undergo very extensive um, immunity testing in the US. Um, I was treated for that and until today, unfortunately, it still hasn't worked for us. Um, but about, about a year after the IVF, we'd started the IVF, I started experiencing extreme bowel problems. Uh, so between diarrhea and constipation, um, extreme pain uh, during my period uh, with shooting pains, um then as a final and i i just left it i was busy i'd i had a lot going on in my life we were doing ivf i'd moved countries my specialist was back in england yeah um, I, I did email him a few times but i just thought it's an it's endometriosis i know i know what it is it, yeah. it's fine yeah. Um, and then the final stage was when I started with um, rectal bleeding the week before my period, uh, by which point my husband was not happy. 
<laughs> for me to leave it at yeah. all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> good good so work. That's husband. when I started it was... Yeah, good work. That's that's definitely not normal. You know, it's really interesting that you say that because I'm very similar to you and I think a lot of people are in the same boat as us. We're busy and we just keep pressing on with life and we ignore it because we don't understand, maybe at that point, like we don't understand the severity because no one ever said to me, you can get a bowel obstruction and die. Like no one ever said that to me. So I ignored it too. I was busy. I was busy with work and was like, oh, I'm just going to wait and have a surgery when it's convenient. A surgery is never convenient, especially if your bowel's involved. So what do you do now? I'd actually decided, I'd actually decided after my fourth endometriosis surgery, I, um, because I naively thought that it was a choice. So I left it. I thought I don't want to have any more surgery. Um, then I start, so I, I, I'm, by this point I'm living in Kuwait. Um, I moved here a year ago. And so I, I, I go to the local doctor. Um, they don't really have endometriosis specialists here, yeah. uh, but they were very good and they looked into it very quickly to at least rule out anything else. Um, so I had a colonoscopy very quickly and they said, we didn't find anything, but if it's endometriosis, we won't necessarily see it on the colonoscopy. Mm-hmm. Um, so I then decide that I'm going to go back to the UK um, and I'm going to go to a different specialist. So I start researching endometriosis specialists um, and I found an amazing team uh, in London. Um, and so I went for an M- MRI scan and which is something actually i would never been offered before it doesn't always show up the endometriosis but it can give them a good indication at times um, yeah. and i would never been offered offered that scan. Um, anyway so he saw the consultant saw on the scan that I had um, bowel endometriosis I had at that point had gone through three layers of my bowel um, so I was scheduled for surgery um, so that was the August and I was scheduled for surgery in the November. By this point, I'm getting worse and worse. I'm feeling sick on a regular basis. Um, I would just all of a sudden, I might be at work or out and I would all of a sudden get that terrible cramping. Would just, I would just be in the bathroom for hours on end. Um, and I was, by this point, I'd also started a gluten-free diet, dairy-free, sugar-free, everything free. Yeah. Um, and it would help slightly, um, but it wasn't, wasn't taking the pain away. Um, so then I was warned by the surgeon uh, that I may need a bowel resection uh, because of the, where it was and it was a it was quite big it was a five centimeter nodule and he also said that because of the placement of it he said i would likely need an ileostomy bag Mm -hmm. um for for a three-month period they didn't do recovering that you would get lean it would you know it's um, and, 
different. I went into surgery in November, not knowing whether they would need to do the full bowel resection and whether I would be waking up with an ileostomy bag. Um, I have to say it was, that was a very, very tough decision for me. Um, yeah. The, I thought I, I wasn't absolutely certain about having the surgery. I was also scared that I might end up in a worse position than I was already in. Yeah. Um, and it, it's daunting to think about having, having a stoma and even if it's for a short period of time, it was, it was daunting for sure. Yeah, absolutely. So I do very, uh, very scary. Mm-hmm. you're justified yeah. in feeling that way and yeah Can, please continue so I went in for surgery in November and I had the endometriosis specialist and I also had a bowel specialist um, so I think it's really important for anybody listening that you make sure that if a surgeon is going near your bowel that you definitely have a specialist yes. um, so I woke up from, again, another five and a half, six hour surgery. Um, and I, it was the worst case scenario. He said, by the time they'd gone in, I almost had a resection, which was cutting out. Uh, and unfortunately, I did need the ileostomy bag as well. Um, and I also lost um, both of my fallopian tubes um, during that surgery as well um, because they were both so badly damaged from the endometriosis and they had fluid in the tubes. So actually they said that that would have been potentially contributing to the IVF failure as well. Um, so it was a big surgery. I was in hospital for a week. Um, it was really, it was really tough. Um, it was really hard. I think anybody listening who has either has um, a bag or knows somebody, uh, it definitely isn't straightforward. It's, it affects everything. It affects your hydration levels. You can't eat healthily, especially because you're, you only have it for three months. So normally people who have a long-term stoma, you would gradually start introducing healthier foods but because you have it for three months, you, you have to eat carb, no fruit or vegetables or very, very little. Um, it, was inc- it was very difficult um, and you can't drink water without sugars and salts. Uh, so there was a lot to get to grips with. Um, yeah. And yeah, and he said, my surgeon said, when we went in, it was bad, bad, bad. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah. And was he an excision doctor? And did he say, you know, obviously you were still stage four at that point. And, and thank goodness you did this surgery. I mean, the risk, if you hadn't done it, would probably be what happened basically to me. I got a full, I had almost a full bowel obstruction. Yeah. From the disease. I know. I actually just felt so lucky that I'd I had the surgery when I when I did, yeah. um, especially because I fly back and forth a lot. I was thinking of all the places that I'd been, and if yeah. if I'd had an obstruction. 
been when I was on a flight or if I was in a country where it would have been very difficult to have surgery. So yeah. I was incredibly grateful. And yes, so my surgeon, um, so it was excision that I had. Um, he's, he works for the NHS in, in England and he heads up one of the, I think it's the second biggest endometriosis um, specialist clinics okay. um, in Portsmouth. I London, but they have a surgeon. You have a specialist endometriosis nurse. Um, yeah, it's, it's. I mean, it's they're, they're phenomenal. Different level of care when you have someone who understands the disease. And I think I, I just want to rebring up that anyone who is considering surgery or has bowel symptoms, I couldn't agree more that you make sure that you have a bowel specialist in your surgery. And I respect your other doctor too for not touching your bowel because he didn't know, he didn't have, the, or she, he or she didn't have the experience and how to do it. That's respectable in my opinion. Is it disappointing because you have to have another surgery? Yes, but I'd rather have someone who knows what they're doing, especially working with that area of your body, which is so important. Um, and was that November of 19, 2019, you had that procedure? So, and then I had the ileostomy bag for three months mm -hmm. and I had that reversed in February. So just two months ago. Wow. Um, but I think it's also important. I don't want to scare people yeah. that just because you have a bowel resection doesn't necessarily mean that you will need an ileostomy bag. I think it's, it very much depends where, where it is on your bowel. Um, and, and it's very, it's a very personal, it's not, you know, you need to discuss that with your doctor. Um, but I, all I would say is if anybody is experiencing symptoms, don't leave it. I wish I hadn't left it. If I hadn't left it for two years, there are other ways that they can deal with it rather than needing to do a total bowel reception. Um, so had I gone sooner, I, I wouldn't have needed such, such invasive surgery. Um, but I didn't know Right. The endometriosis could be is a really important lesson. Hence, one of the reasons why I do this podcast is to help bring stories like yours to other people so they can understand how serious. And I did have a bowel resection and I did not have to have an ileostomy mm -hmm. bag because mine was in a different location. So mm -hmm. for people who are listening, like, and if you have to have one, it's I know it sounds scary, but it's, it, Jen, I mean, yes, it's tough, but it's not that bad. After three months, you know, you're, you're back to normal. Your plumbing's all back to normal. How, how are you doing now? How are you feeling now? I, I feel amazing. I, I really awesome. do. Um, I mean, fatigue is something I still struggle with. Um, I still have endometriosis flare-ups. I had one last week. Um, and I still get annoyed with myself. Why, why can't, why don't I have any energy? Why am I stuck in bed for a whole day? Yeah. Um, still 23 years on, I, I still feel frustrated by it. Um, but I, I am so much better. I don't have the pain. I don't have any bowel symptoms. Um, and I'm incredibly grateful to the surgeons. They, they really are amazing. Um, and it really, you're, you're right, Melissa. I mean, looking back now, now that I've done it and I had the ileostomy bag, it really isn't that bad. Um, and frankly, if it's going to save your life and it's ultimately going to give you a much better quality of life, yes. I would say to somebody, don't hesitate. Right. It, I mean, it, it also went very, very quickly. 
three months. Yes. Yeah. And I agree with you too, where when you said don't put off surgery, I, I did the very same thing. And, you know, I, I knew I needed surgery. I was in pain for probably a year, ignored it, ignored it, ignored it. In May, I was like, okay, I'm going to do this. But I was like, I'm really busy at work right now. So I put it off until August. And then I had a, a bowel obstruction too. And I just, we can't make ourselves feel guilty about that because we didn't know better and we weren't educated that that could happen. But I do kick myself because I was like, I could have done this six months earlier and things may have been different. But mm -hmm. I also think we can't fault ourselves. And I also have a question about IVF. Did you feel like, are there hor the hormones with IVF kind of, do they flare you up? Do you feel like it, in, like, because I've heard some people who do it, it almost sometimes makes endo worse because you're adding, it's an estrogen dominant disease and you're adding estrogen to your body at that point, correct? Yeah, a hundred percent. I think the doctors, I've never actually been advised by obviously my IVF doctors or by my gynecologists right. um, that it's a proven thing. Um, but I think there are too many women who experience worse symptoms. So I think there must be a correlation. Yeah. Um, I 100% think that doing six IVF cycles made my endometriosis far worse. Yeah. Um, and I think that's really now making me consider whether medically I'm in the right place to do that again um, because I think it has to be really carefully um, yeah. monitored as well I think if I was to do another cycle um, I think you just have to be very aware and make sure that you still see your endometriosis specialists yeah. and have scans and keep it under under close um, scrutiny I think right. I, I but yeah I 100% think it made it worse for me yeah, I don't know a lot about that because I've never gone through that, but I have talked to other people with endometriosis that had mentioned that. So I wanted to ask you, but I also know people who after excision who did IVF were very successful afterwards as well. But I agree with you, they were still being monitored by their endo doctor and their, the, the doctors were kind of working together to make sure they're not giving you maybe too much at once. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I think it's it's difficult as you get older because I'm obviously over 35 now. Yeah. Um, so they they have to um, they quite often have to work you quite hard with the drugs um, to get good to get the eggs. Right. Um, and I think on me. Um, and I know I know a lot of other women as well have had the similar circumstances. Well, I'm so happy you're feeling so much better now and, you know, you, you look good and your energy seems really good. And I know the fatigue is, I still struggle with that too. Um, sometimes on like a Saturday, I'll be at the grocery store. I'm like, why am I so tired? I can't even like walk through the store right now. I, I, I just, the fatigue is, is a tough one. And I think sometimes we have pain going on in our body and we just don't even know we have it because we have such a high tolerance and it makes us tired. But I don't know. I don't know. Well, is there yeah, anything that, that you want to tell everyone? I mean, thank you so much for sharing your story and you've been through an incredible amount. And I know that this is going to be very helpful to so many people, but are there any tips or tricks or advice you want to share with the community while I have you? Uh, I think number one is 
always listen to your body you know when something isn't right and don't let a doctor tell you otherwise i think if you're not getting the right response from one doctor then just you just need to keep knocking on doors um, because there are the specialists out there they are few and far between given how many of us suffer from endometriosis but they are out there um, and just don't give up um, I think on the fatigue side, that's something that I'm learning quite late in the day, um, but the acceptance that we may not be able to keep up with our peers who don't suffer from endometriosis, and that's okay. Um, to keep and I've found personally, I, so I still stick to a gluten-free diet. Uh, dairy, I, I've lessened, but I don't completely cut out. Uh, obviously, that's a very, very personal choice, and it doesn't work for everybody. Uh, but I have actually found Sorry. that not having gluten... Sorry. <laughs> no problem. Um, <laughs> I have actually found that not having gluten definitely seems to help my pain levels. Yeah. Um, but again, I think that's very personal I think you can you can only find that out by by cutting certain things out and seeing if it if it helps you yeah I fully agree I think different things work for different people but I I'm also gluten dairy free and it, it does help me I'm allergic to dairy so that one I just can't mess around with but I don't do the gluten and it, it, when I cut that out it really did help with just I felt like my day-to-day -day, I mean it still had day-to-day -day pain but it, it helped reduce it it really did so. I wonder whether people who suffer from bowel endometriosis, whether that, um, whether there is a correlation there. I mean, I definitely, I raised it with my, my surgeon about eight years ago, whether I should be following a certain diet. And I mean, the medical view is no, there isn't enough evidence, but yeah. I think when, when you, when you try it out yourself, um, yeah. you can notice evidence. Yeah. 100%. Okay. Well, thank no, you. No further tips, I'm afraid. No, that was very, those tips no problem. were very thank helpful. You. Thanks very much, Melissa, for uh, having me. I really appreciate your time and your sharing your story with all of us. It, it's awesome and I appreciate it because I know it's, sometimes it's hard to come out and talk about everything you've been through. So I appreciate it. Thank you so much for listening and supporting this podcast. It means so much to me and it's helping so many people worldwide. We appreciate you being here. If you want to be on the show, please check the show notes for my contact information. And if you want to keep the conversation going after the podcast, please join our Facebook group. Thank you again for listening. Wishing you a wonderful day and low pain. Take care.